Well, what a fantastic group of people I have with me here for a really great conversation for the next 45 minutes. Thanks very much for joining us. Let me just start with a few thoughts before we get underway. And I don't want to start from a negative perspective, but I think it's helpful um, to set the tone. Uh, folks watching, if you're watching this, you very likely know that there is something called the, Glen the Global Gender uh, Gap Index. Now, this is a survey of 146 countries. It's its, its 17th survey uh, this year. And this year, it found that there was a 0.3% improvement uh, since last year. Not 3%, 0.3%. 4.1% uh, since uh, the first edition back in, in 2006. So on the face of it, it appears that all of our efforts to try to uh, address the uh, unfair imbalance between women and men around the world are not having a, a good enough effect, at least not in, in the working uh, world. And that survey suggests that we are 131 years away from full parity. And, and I was thinking about this, and you may be wondering, watching why a man is, is <laughs> hosting a, a panel like this. And I was thinking about this, and I, and I looked at that number, 130 years. And I have two daughters, uh, they're twins, and they're 11 years old. And I thought, wow, uh, my daughters will never see gender parity. But wait a second, 130 years? My daughter's daughters, my granddaughters, if I have them, will never see gender parity. And then I thought, 130 years? I think that means that if my daughters have daughters and then they have daughters, my great-granddaughters may, even in, at least in their working life, never see gender parity. And that is a challenge. That is an issue. Uh, if you've got something to say about this, um, we want you to get on social media. Everybody says this these days. Uh, and you can use the hashtag, hashtag SDIM23 to, to uh, make some comments and join the conversation. But let me introduce the folks here who are going to have the conversation uh, with us uh, today. Sitting next to me is uh, Reshma Sajani, who is uh, from Mums First, the CEO of Mums First. CEO and founder, yes. Right? Uh, great. Thierry uh, Dio, uh, who is uh, from... Meridium, uh, and next to him, uh, Claire Amakanzi, who is from the Rwanda Development Board, and next to her, Randall Tucker from MasterCard. Um, Reshma, let's begin with you, because that was a negative way to start, right? <laughs> and, you, and you're um, all about the positive. So what are the positives about you know, what, what you're doing and, and what you're trying to achieve and what you're seeing out there? I mean, I think the positive is that we've learned that progress isn't linear. Right, that there's kind of bumps in the road, and I think it allows us. We were just coming out of a meeting on this on, on the parity report, thinking about well, what does the future look like? You know, how do we have an ambitious goal from what we've learned? And I'll tell you this: you know, I spent 10 years of my life building an organization called Girls Who Code. You know, closing the STEM gap, teaching over 600,000 girls, reaching over millions. And you know, when we started in the pandemic, uh, I thought we had a treat, you know, achieved equality. You know, no. for the first time in our labor force, the vast majority were women. And when the pandemic hit, you know, it really showcased the fact that women across the globe do two-thirds of the caregiving work while they're maintaining their full-time jobs. Right. And so if you have a broken structure of care, if you don't, when daycare centers were shut down and schools were shut down, everything fell apart. And millions of women in the United States and across the world were pushed out of the workforce. 
And I think what we learned here in the United States that, you know, there were key things, key structural changes that we had not made in our march towards equality that have impeded our progress. And so one, that's paid leave. The United States is the only industrialized nation that doesn't have paid leave. So one out of four moms go back to work two weeks after having a baby. Uh, second, affordable childcare. You know, we're the wealthiest nation that puts the least into childcare. So 40% of parents are in debt because of the cost of childcare. Pay equity. The reason why we have a pay gap is because for dads, every time they have a child, they make 6% more. For women, every time they have a baby, they lose 4% of their salary. So. It really, show, I think, shone a light on so many of us who are doing this work saying, you know, this is about structural change. You know, we have to focus on structural change if we actually want to be free. And I think women leaders across the globe are having not, I mean, we knew this, but we're taking a conversation in many ways that has, like, about care that has been in the margins and bringing it to the mainstream. We're taking a conversation about care that's always been seen in the social light your personal problem to fix and putting it in an economic light and having conversations about the billions, if not trillions of dollars that were missing from the economy because most women work to work. Yeah, the point being, actually there are economic benefits to addressing the issue of getting uh, women to, to live their best lives, their, their fullest <laughs> lives, as well as uh, families and Huge. all those things. I mean, when things. you have labor shortages in tight labor markets across the globe, it's because you don't have the full participation, right? right? And you don't have the full participation of women, yeah. you know what I mean, in the labor market. Yeah. Claire, one of the things I, I think is important for us to talk about here, there, there's gonna be two aspects to this, aren't there? There's gonna be the big picture and then there are going to be uh, the individual uh, cases and, and, and the fact that actually uh, people have different experiences in, in different places, uh, different families even. Um, from the Rwanda side, uh, what are the specific, uh, what are the specific, Reshma talked about the US, what, what, what's the Rwanda picture if you like and what do you think that tells us around the world about what we need to address here? Thank you. First of all, Kia, I don't think we have to wait 131 years. And I think that's great. I don't think we have to wait 31 years. <laughs> okay. It requires all of us doing our part to reduce the, those 31, 31 years. When I look at Rwanda's case, we don't have to wait 31 years. Today, Rwanda is ranked among the top countries in the world when it comes to gender parity. We're always ranked among sometimes top five, sometimes in, within the top ten yeah. in the world. But what did it take for Rwanda to, to, to reach that level of parity? I think one important aspect is that deliberate leadership for gender inclusion is important. Mm. Leadership that is deliberately making sure that gender inclusiveness happens. And that, that requires people actually making sure it, it happens. It's not going to happen on its own. If you're a leader, if you're a president of a country like my president, very clear about gender equality. He'll make sure when he's appointing cabinet, women are represented. He'll make sure when uh, he's appointing board members, women are included. CEOs of companies should do the same. Mayors should do the same. Deliberate leadership to ensure in, in, inclusion is important. I like to tell an, an, an anecdote of my president. Once um, he told us a story how people who he asks to give him names for appointment would tell him, I can't find women. And he would say, fine, I'm not in a hurry. Whenever the women show up, I'll make the appointment. And women showed up the following day because they're there. Right. You, somebody just needs to be very deliberate about including them. That's one. Two, I think being innovative about how we solve ch real challenges. Some of the challenges that Ramshaw talked about, one of them was um, paid leave, for example. In Rwanda, we came up with an innovation, something that we call the Maternity Solidarity Fund. Because employers were discouraged from employing women 
especially young women. Africa has a very young continent. I mean, everybody's a, almost everybody's below 30, so they're going to be taking maternity leave a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> employers were discouraged because um, they have to pay and they have to replace somebody when they go on maternity leave. So what the government did is work with our pension fund to come up with a mandatory contribution to a solidarity fund. Whether you're anyone who works, man, woman, 60 or 20, as long as you're working, you contribute a percentage of your salary to a, the fund. And that fund comes in to pay whoever goes on maternity leave. That was a really good way to address the issue of paid leave, and I think we should be innovative about that. The last point I want to say is, okay, you have leadership. You have all these policies and innovation that is inclu inclu including. What's important also is to monitor progress. In Rwanda, we've set up something called the Gender Monitoring Office. Their job is to just monitor gender. Are you having enough inclusion in the mayor's office? Is the central bank ha having enough inclusion? Is the budgeting process including ways to address gender gaps? Somebody who's just monitoring and reminding everybody that you have to keep the, the policy on board. I think that's important as well. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, you spend your time. Do we, uh, you spend your time. I, this is not, you're going to disagree with the way that I frame what you do, okay? So I'm, I'm ready for that. Um, you, you spend your time persuading people that positive um, ideas like this actually are beneficial in investment terms, right? So there's a case. And Reshma already, you know, talked a bit about it. There's a case for why, actually, this is not just good for society, not just good for women and the people who are around women, us guys, but also um, actually has uh, economic benefits and investment benefits. Mm -hmm. I mean, indeed, it's beneficial on two levels. For companies, not having women inclusion is a loss. Mm. It's a loss in talent, it's a loss in, in, in many things, in Big efficiency. <laughs> uh, and for investors. Is that just because you don't, because you, you need the people, or is it also because of the perspective that y y women bring, do you think? It's, it's both. There are mm. different talents. Uh, you also need the workforce and the, mm. the, yeah. the inclusion. And in with, I mean, in I many from, countries uh, where you have uh, an issue where there just aren't, the, there aren't enough people in the workforce. And people. Increasingly I come from an industry, both financial industry, we're an investment manager in infrastructure, sustainable infrastructure. So we need people with a science background, engineering background, with financial background. This is almost like finding a an egg in a big farm. Uh, it's really uh, difficult and, and clearly bringing those talents and especially women to to this type of, uh, of workforce is, is, is very difficult. So it takes commitment and, and in 10 years uh, in an industry where we have probably 10% women participation, we 35%, but it took uh, commitment from hiring intern massively women, <laughs> uh, all the way to programs within the company to support them through their career, through their maternity, applying, for example, the best uh, rules that we may have in France on paid leave, yes. including we do it in the US, we do it in our African offices, we do it in Turkey, mm -hmm. and having the sort of the highest level of support for women to develop their career and to manage their lives because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maternity is not something that is very simple and coming back is not something that is very simple. Mm -hmm. So you have to be aware of that uh, and, and clearly these programs have allowed us to really move the participants 
participation of women. And it, they're different talents. And, and, and I think uh, when I think about gender parity, I think it's also acknowledging the differences. And it's true for all kinds of inclusion. It's also true for, for racial inclusion. There are differences. We are equal, but there are differences. Mm -hmm. And those differences are positive contribution to what you're trying to, to, to achieve. Mm -hmm. And our investors, when we think about inclusion, and we are a benefit corporation, by the way, and one of our pillars is inclusion, and, in, and especially women inclusions. Our investors see the benefit for their long-term investment in our funds to have this positive impact as a good risk mitigation and a positive contributor to the volatility of your investment. Right. Mm -hmm. When you invest in public infrastructure like ourselves, the positive contribution that you bring to communities in this way, for example, all our assets, we have mandatory sort of obligation for these to have women, uh, equity pay, uh, hiring women uh, at high level positions. Uh, it reflects on the community. And that asset where you have a long-term contract with government is usually less challenged by the community around it than it, if you were just not doing business. In so the so, so the, the, the actually, it's a long-term, uh, it's good long-term, it's good business sense long-term yeah. because, am I right, so there's, an, there's a reputational risk if you're behind the, the curve of thinking as you look ahead, there's a risk that you're going to lose contracts as uh, companies and governments see that you think that you're not focused in the right way. I mean, is there more to it than that, or is that pretty much it? The, the, no, from a simple investment perspective? From a simple investment perspective, if you're not giving to the community in a positive way, you'll be out. <laughs> that's nice. Well, that that's pretty much sums it up. Yeah, I think from an economic standpoint, we also like to think it's just common sense. Because if you look at human capture as a factor of production, yeah. and you're but utilizing... Well, you see, if it was common sense, then we, we'd have done it already, right? Like, if somehow something's got in the way. I mean, exactly. we know, we know what's got in the way. Yeah. So you, you, I mean, if you don't use 50%, yeah. Yeah. if you have 52% of women in your right. population, and you're not including 52%, you're never going to optimize yes. what you can reach. So it's, I think it's just common. So we've been getting in our own way. You wanted to, well, you speak, and then I, wanted, no, I had a question the, I wanted to ask. The only piece I want to add to this is something that I've been doing this work for over 20 years, leading diversity, equity. Yeah. You're the chief inclusion officer yeah, at MasterCard. multinational yeah. organization. Yeah. And when I was prepping for this, I was thinking about 131 years or 130-something years. Um, I, th I think it goes back to why are we even doing this work? Mm -hmm. Are we doing this work because um, because it, it feels good or it looks good? Are we doing this work because in organizations are we are we focused on building dynamic teams with a diverse perspective of people of different backgrounds and races and ethnicities and genders to problem solve and innovate? Because sometimes I think we're getting the problem statement. What are we solving for? And so if you look at it from that perspective, it, in combination with Many of our company values are linked to inclusion, are linked to diversity. That's a proof point of that. But at the end of the day, we are a company that should be making revenue, have fiduciary yeah. responsibility to our boards and to our shareholders. So it goes back to are you getting the perspectives and the viewpoints that you need in order to come up with the ultimate decision 
in problem solving as well as innovation. Yeah, yeah I mean, all, we're all here because we yep. kind of think this is yep. this is right, right? Yep. Likely, given the title of the of the uh, panel, pe folks watching are watching because they think this is right. But Randall, and, and you all will be dealing with this. But your job, in some ways, is to address the resistance that there inevitably is, yep. and figure out how to persuade and or, or even overturn that resistance. Um, what kind of resistance? Is there, and how do you deal with that? If there are people, if folks who are watching who are wondering, how can I yeah. do this? And, and so I, I think it's from the perspective of um, resistance comes from I think when people feel that something is being taken away from them. Because I'm focusing on these communities over here, my personal identity. I won't be able to advance, get promoted, do whatever to advance in my own career because you're so focused on people that maybe look like me or people that look like you. Um, the, resist the, the change happens in organizations in two ways, either through the head or through the heart. So the heart piece, it's part of my value system. I want to make sure that everyone has a level playing field, X, Y, Z. And from the, the head piece is the business. If women have contributing buying power of like $3 trillion, I think that's the stat, why would you not want women at every level of the organization to give you that perspective on how to not leave money exactly. on the yeah. table? Yeah. And so for me, it's this conversation of I can't be the way that I do. It's a collaborative partnership with leaders within the organization to come to the right solution, not me saying you will do because no one wants to be told what to do. Right. But sharing the business case around what that looks like and guiding from the back is the way that I've Can I, can I jump led. in here? Because yeah. I, I think you're asking a great question, which is why haven't we gotten there? Yeah. Or why haven't we just either achieved or sustained, you know what I mean, gender progress? My big aha is oftentimes, and I think from a United States perspective, and maybe I would argue from Europe, it's not necessarily about educational attainment. Because in the United States, the vast majority of those that are getting their degrees are women. Yeah, uh -huh. The vast same, majority same, of those, right, same in the same number one, the vast majority of those that are, <coughs> you know, their high school valedictorians are yeah. women. Mm -hmm. um, and then the vast majority of those entering the labor market are also women. Yeah. So Accenture did a study that in technology, for example, 50% of women leave in tech by the time they get 35. Mm -hmm. So the question is, why are they leaving and why aren't we retaining them? Yeah. So our big, my big aha that I think I've had, and I think this is a similar situation across the globe, is because we have a broken structure of care. Yeah. They leave the minute they either become mothers or they think they want to become mothers. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they look around and they say, can I do that here? Mm -hmm. And the answer is normally no. And I think so much of the, the, even if you think about the way that we've built workplaces, you know, we've built workplaces where the, you know, the day is nine to five when schools start at eight and they end at three. Yeah. You're already setting up women to fail, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. For so long, even when it came to paid leave, it was something that women took and men didn't take. So women were doing the vast majority of unpaid labor mm -hmm. and men were, were not, right? So the home was basically set up for you to have imbalance, mm -hmm. which put pressure on us that when we were workers and mothers, it's just untenable. And society told us, well, it's your fault. And not the fact that it is actually my workplace's fault. It is the economy's fault. It's the government's fault because you are setting me up to fail. You know, I don't, I go back to work 
too soon before I'm ready because we don't have paid leave. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of women are working to work because I'm getting paid 58 cents on every dollar and the cost of childcare is more than any other line item in my, you know what I mean, in my household. And so to, I think that to get to parity, we have to fix the structure of care. That's interesting. Can I just take a risk here? Yes. Um, you know, because you, you, I hear you. So your argument is there's a structural challenge and we need to address it. And, and I think that's clearly right. But equally, um, there's, how, do, how does that fit with the personal challenges within a family, for example, the kind of your mum's first, the families you're yeah. dealing with, right? Like here I am, right, a father. I'm, I'm, I'm thousands of miles from home. My kids are back home yeah. being looked after. The conversations in our family about, okay, if we have someone else look after our kids, what impact does that have on our children? Yeah. Who's going to do There are very basic conversations that happen, and how do you move those forward to so achieve? I think, look, I think in America, two-thirds of Americans believe someone should stay home and take care of the kids. But the reality is, is so, that... So, okay, so two-thirds of Americans believe someone, not uh, somebody yes, from outside. Like, right. The mom should stay home and take care but of the some, kids. One of the parents, in other but words. But the reality or, right? is, in our economy, with the cost of inflation, you, if you can, you need two-income households. Yeah. Or you need to support single mothers who right. don't have that supplemental income. So the reality doesn't meet the economic reality. So you need to have, I think, in a family... Uh, in the household, shared labor on the uh, on the groceries, on the child rearing, on the picking up, and the, et cetera. And I think for most of us, we don't still have that understanding. I mean, I think my, my husband asked me to marry him three times before I said yes. You know what I mean? Because I knew that I wanted to do big things in my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And but I married the guy that was going to support me to do that. Right. And when we had our first son, I took paid leave and he didn't. And it created such an unbalance that we're constantly trying to kind of figure yeah. that out again. And I think that this is the reality for yeah. most families. Perhaps I can add a, a perspective to this because I agree, but I disagree because it's not enough. I mean, I, I live in a country like France where you have everything you need. You need the structure, the care, fixing the care structure is not enough. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And still France is not at gender parity. Sweden is still not at gender parity. Yeah, that's such an interesting uh, point. And those places have all the things that you say. Government pays for all kinds of things when you have kids, uh, for child care, for you can have two years of, uh, of leave being paid in a distant salary. Uh, men can take them, and actually they force them to take them. So, so all these things are there in certain society, and yet we don't achieve that parity. So uh, I'm saying, yes, we need that as a basic, but, I think we have but, but we need more. Well, so uh, I think it's also the... This is great. But I also think, sorry, and I, I think it's... I think it's Sw Switzerland, where yeah. they still have school days where they let the kids out from 11 to 2 so they can eat at home. Now, if you're a woman, if you're a mother, how can you actually work when you know that you have to take a break from 11 to 2? Yeah, we have canteens in yeah. house, but, and the kids stay at school. Yeah, but I'm <laughs> right. just saying there's still these cultural biases yeah. that are embedded yeah. into, embedded no, no, into I, countries I agree, but what I say is, is the care system, I, I know places where it's very high, it's very comfortable, yes. and yet we don't achieve it. So, that, and, and coming back to, to the corporations and their responsibility in this, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm my, my own uh, chief uh, inclusion officer. And I think every company should have their own CEO being the chief inclusion yes. officer. Yes. And, yeah. and now right. it's, uh, it's great for you, Rand. Then you can become the CEO. I don't know. I have a great relationship with our CEO, but I think that um, that's a whole, it's a different, different can of worms. But um, this job 
uh, is seen to be done by everyone, and everyone can do the job. Like this job doesn't have like a skill set or a criteria for actually doing. Yeah. Um, I think everyone in the organization should have a responsibility for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. Yeah. There still needs to be a leader to help develop with that strategy. So you, that, like. what you're talking about is the, the structural, which yeah. um, Rushmore is talking about, how it. that connects yeah. with the personal, yep. and how we yeah. make a cultural change as well as a structure, all those issues. Yeah, but so yeah. but there's systemic change system. within organizations yeah. as well that needs to be coupled with the piece yeah. that you're talking about from the home right. and like society. Within organizations, our responsibility is to make sure that our people systems work for everyone. Mm. Our hiring systems, are we going to the right places to find women talent? Are, when we talk about growth and development of, of women in the org, not just women, but everyone, how do we make sure that in talent review we're giving real candid feedback? Mm. That we are having the conversation around, why does this group seem to be at the hypo list and these people are not on that hypo list? Mm. Where's the balance? Yeah. How do we make sure that our women um, feel that they are paid equally and are paid equally because of the numbers and we're being transparent with what that looks like? So I think it's a combination of systems that will help to, you have to do everything. Yeah. It's yeah. structure and it's the bias. And yeah. so, for example, we were just talking in our meeting that Forbes did a survey that you know when you're when you're evaluating the performance of women, 76% will talk about the kind of uh, uh, you know she was too. You know, she was too bossy. She was too aggressive. The communication style, right. whereas only two percent talk about the men's communication style. But so that's inclusive. That's yes. a that's a that's a function of are you an inclusive right. leader Claire. in the moments right. that matter? Claire, you want to get in? Yeah. yeah. So, so I think Terry raised an, an important point. Even though you know you 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 create an environment where care is available, even though you don't treat gender parity, I think you're still closer. To achieving it than people that don't do it, so that's it's really point. important. Yeah. So you may not yeah. be there, but you're closer than people yeah. that are not doing anything. Right. Yeah. So right. I think you're that's closer to the United States. <laughs> right, right. That I knew. <laughs> I think it's really important. But I think there's an important part, which is we need a lot more role models of women who are who are working right. and and look, looking after their families. I am CEO of the Rwanda Development Board. I have a two-year-old and I have a four-year-old, so it's been a busy last four years. <laughs> but I think having more women like this and and in Rwanda role models. There's so many CEOs who are doing exactly this, who are managing families. And we talk about it. We create platforms where they can share their experiences, their difficulties, their challenges. And by doing that, a lot of people are getting more open-minded to having more women leading because they think it's possible. And I think the role of role models, just having more women. I remember today uh, we have six CEOs of 15 banks in Rwanda that are women, six out of 15. A few years ago, it was zero. Less than 10 years ago, it was zero. But when the first woman became the CEO of the biggest bank, and she's a mother, and she was talking about that, and people saw it was possible, the next shareholder yes. was able to appoint a CEO, so and now they're six. It's so it's really important to normalize yeah. that women right. can do these things. And, and, and we need a lot more examples out there. I have a three-year-old and an eight-year-old. I've built one of the largest women and girls organizations in the world, and I'm doing it again. Mm -hmm. You know, and I strapped my baby to my back, and I raised $100 million for Girls Who Code, and I think, again, but us talking about yeah. that. And showing that, normalizing and talking about it, it. Yes. normalizing. Yeah. It's such a powerful point, Claire. Yeah. But the, the, for the CEO as well, I think what I wanted to add is you also need to include this in your normal performance criteria. Mm -hmm. So yep. we have a KPI and several actually on inclusion that comes into financial compensation for people. Mm. You know, it's cold. It's not the heart, but it, it works yep. <laughs> if yep. you can measure uh, yep. and you can actually penalize or, or bonus. Uh, this performance in terms of the inclusion as part of the whole performance of the company, as part of the personal uh, performance of each leader, 
then it's clearer. I mean, it's not a hard discussion. It's, uh, okay, we had objectives to reach this. You haven't reached it, so that's it. Your bonus is gone. But, but it, you have to come to including something which initially comes from the heart and looking for economic performance into really, okay, this is a KPI, it's part of your job, it's part of your objective, get it done. Yeah, I wanted to push you a little bit though, because, uh, you know, in a way I suppose I would say, to, to not quite let you get away with kind of, or all of us kind of saying, and I know you wouldn't, this is easy or this is straightforward, it's not easy, because it's expensive. You know, just we talk about the, the structural changes that you need, but I just know from my own family, we all know from our families that, you know, it's like, Getting the care, we've just talked about childcare, but it's not just childcare, it has to be the right childcare. It has mm -hmm. to be someone, them, the, the person who's treated well so they don't walk out after six mm -hmm. months, which is a nightmare when you're trying to bring up <laughs> all those things. It, and I will let you, Ashra, I'll let you get to that, but yeah. I mean, just Thierry, like. Clearly, you're extraordinarily successful. So you're getting something right, but <laughs> right, it, it costs money. This we and that's an it, we can't pretend that's not the case. It doesn't necessarily cost money. It's an organisational issue. It's it's yeah. it doesn't necessarily cost a lot of money. I mean, we really. In, in, I mean, in, in, in many okay. In France, it costs the government a lot of money, not necessarily me. <laughs> uh, but when we organize, for example, special childcare close to people's home, where we have a network of uh, places where they can drop their kids, and, and we subsidize it. But it's easier for us to do that to free the women's uh, time rather than let them look for it or wait for a government spot somewhere. Uh, so, so, so it's organization. We also have a group within the company, which is men and women together, which is Gaia group, but it's both men and women that are actually on a constant basis bringing proposals to, to really help us really improve this. So they come up with ideas, and, and this is a, a regular working group that come up with ideas, and then we change things, and then we adapt. And because then you, need, you have a real feedback, mm -hmm. they are actually our sort of chief inclusion officer, mm -hmm. but it's a group of people, a diverse group of people, really thinking about it, and, and a permanent group that, that makes things move forward. Yeah, I, I want to add to oh, so And then I'll get to you. I, I, I do think that there's a perception that it's really expensive. And one of the things that you know we're doing with Momsters in partnership with BCG is we're collecting that data for companies like Disney, like Meridian, others who have, you know, or Google, Salesforce, who have been in-house childcare centers have been providing childcare subsidies. And what we're finding that essentially it pays for itself. Wow. Right? That the, the, the savings that you get on workers not missing work, mm -hmm. on, huh. on, a, on a, having lower rates of attrition, you know, it, it, the average worker leaves in eight months. It costs a salary and a half to replace that person. Right. You provide this benefit for me, I'm sticking with you. Right? right? So, but the thing is, is this is where I think this conversation about data is really important. We've been doing these things. Like MasterCard provides incredible benefits but you probably haven't done the data analysis on the savings, right? Yeah. Because you kind of know that intuitively, but I do think that we have to put that out there in the world, right? And really just prove the business case. Right. Once and for all, so this point about, oh, I, but it's really expensive and you're just doing it because it's the right thing, it's just put to rest. Yeah, I'm glad to be but, proven wrong. Here, here's the thing, I think being in a corporate environment for so many years in many different organizations, people find money and organizations find money what's important to them. Yeah. I've never had a budget said no to if it didn't have a really good business case and if the organization was behind it. Mm. Yeah. What I would say is that what I'm really excited about at MasterCard 
is that we don't talk about it parent, uh, we don't talk about maternity leave, we talk about it as parental, parental. leave. Mm. And talk about normalization, making sure that when a, a couple is gonna have a kid, the man can leave for 16 weeks, the woman or whatever you identify as can leave for 16 weeks, both. And so I think part of the solution is having men leave and at our most senior levels of the organization, they are almost expected to leave because they want to send a sign to the organization that it's okay. Yep. And so it's not on the burden of the woman to actually feel like she has to do the traditional role, but it's everyone's opportunity. Is it though, uh, that's in the good times. And Reshma made the point early on that we got we had a setback with COVID. You know, you have these black swan events and you have hard times in corporate life. And how do you ensure that these kind of programs don't get hit? Because ostensibly, potentially, they're the kind of thing that that you push out the way when suddenly. But the, that's part. The, the is it really part of your values of your company? But, but in the end, fundamentally, the finances are. Oh, they, they right. are. They are. But I mean. If you, if you have a kid, they're going to be someone's going to leave. Yeah, and so the work still will the, be the done. Principles the principles are same. The principles. Have you guys done that work on looking at the benefits, or is is is, is we, We've right done or? some work, but not to the level of detail well, as to what you're saying. Our but as our as, <laughs> but, but as as a company, we want to make sure that um, this is not a fly by night. The flavor of the month. This whole concept of diversity, equity, inclusion, even in this U.S. context of it under you know, going under fire, ESG, DEI, this whole kind of yeah. woke thing. It, it's, it's core to our business and it's core to the, our values. We don't feel that if you are leaving out a population of people in decision-making and driving business revenue, you are actually doing the right thing. If we're leaving that perspective, we're missing something. And that's core to our beliefs. And whatever it takes to get that perspective and that viewpoint, that's what we're willing to do. And I think MasterCard is exceptional because you are right. 40% of companies cut their paid leave and childcare benefits during the pandemic because they saw it as an OPEX expense, not a CAPEX expense. Right. And that's also what happened with with and that was a mistake. And that was a yeah. mistake, but that's right. also what happened it with DNI and the fact that it the didn't really have value. It didn't have value. And I think, but unlike climate, which is always seen as a board level, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. issue, a, a risk issue. It's always right. seen as a capex, not an opex expense. That's why yeah. it doesn't get touched. And I think that's the thing that we have to learn from this. As again, we think about what are the ambitious goals for the future, is we have to assume that not everybody is Mastercard. Right. Right. Because not DEI is a board. Right. Experience, which is very two big. or three times a year. Yeah, <laughs> so unusual. It's a I different you. conversation. Yeah, you know yeah. that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that that's kind of as we are kind of telling our partners what to do and how to approach this, how to make yeah. sure that we sustain right. and we don't have regression on these things. It's these learnings, right? right? CapEx and OpEx, board level. You know what I mean? Make sure you actually have data analysis and you can put numbers and KPIs. Yeah on essentially the savings for the company. Don't, you know, don't do this because it's, it's the right thing to do. Do yeah. it because it makes business sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and in terms of the saving, the disruption of having <coughs> to replace, because there's a cost of hiring a new person, mm -hmm. but the cost of training a new yeah. person and the cost of getting to the Must same efficiency it. that you had is another year. Yeah. So, so, so in fact, it, it has a lot of disruption. Might be one of the reasons why um, a number of economies have struggled to get out uh, at the end of, uh, out of COVID and, and get really get going again. I mean, all, all politics is local, right? And we, we're talking about lessons for everybody and that's good and that's what people are watching for. But um, equally though, um, I wanted to ask you, Miranda, what, do you think there were some specific things uh, there that have enabled the, the kind of success you've talked about? 
Um, and then, just once again, are there lessons that are actually useful more broadly? Or, or, or actually, do you have to face the fact that in different places there are different experiences and, and different um, tools will be needed to, to achieve it? So I think the principles are the same. Uh, they might be applied differently. But I think we've talked a lot about supporting women who go on maternity leave and you know the whole care system. But there's a point that Terry mentioned at the beginning, which I think is really important, which is he talked about intern internships and how they bring so many women internships. We found that to be very important because preparing a pipeline of women mm -hmm. who can grow in succession and take leadership position for us in Rwanda has been very helpful. Today we have 61% of our parliament uh, constituted by women. That's the highest in the world. Wow. But to get there, to get women, it wasn't always like that. I mean, the constitution says 30%. To get the first 30% when the constitution passed in 2003 was not easy. But what has helped over time is that we created uh, a decentralized system of governance from the village level to the district to the sector to the province and then to the national level. We require that at every small segment of leadership, women must be uh, included, 30%. So if you have every 10 households, 30% are women. By the time you reach the national level, there's so many women. And those are the women that are growing through the system and becoming members of parliament at the national level. But what that speaks to is supporting a critical mass of pipeline of women that mm -hmm. can be mentored, can be exposed to leadership, because when the time comes for them to take on those positions, they are available to do that. And I think that's an important part to mm. also really and emphasize. You will see us to start with a pipeline of 60% if you yes. want to achieve 30%. Yes. So, 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 60% pipeline? Uh, in, like it's in the internship program yeah. that we have with many universities, mm. uh, we actually take up to 80% of the spots go to women. And that allowed us today to be 35%. Right. Mm -hmm. So you understand how much you can lose in between, despite all the efforts. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so you really need to get the pipeline to mm -hmm. the, the broader as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think it's an example that you have to have, um, you know, targets, not goals. Yes. Oh, that's a whole can. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> that's a whole can. Yeah, yeah. What I will say, uh, I'm not going to even touch. Why is that? Wait, sorry. Why I'm is not, that a whole can? Oh, word? oh stop! <laughs> um, there's a debate, and I was um, over the summer. I was I was working in Europe, um, in from Switzerland to to France. I was in um, doing some work, and it always came up in conversation, are we going to mandate quotas? Because it was a hot topic. I don't know. All of a sudden, right. when I was in, the, in you know, that part of the world this year, are we going to do quotas? And, and for us as an organization, we don't. Uh, what we do is has aspirational goals, mm. and we have gender parity that we're looking for. Which lets people off the hook, though? No, it doesn't let people <laughs> off the hook, because if you have the system in place that has the fail-safes in it, that will tell the story. Right. Um, because what we, our philosophy has been, um, you know, if, if we put a quota out there, the, and I don't care what, what, what background you're talking about, is that person here because of the quota? Is that person at the same meritocracy as everyone else, or are they here because of the quota? And do, does that person then have the stigma around, I'm, I'm just here because of that, and are they treated the same because of this thing called a quota, and now right. you're a part of that? So everybody has to be bought in, is what you're kind of I think meritocracy has to win out, and I think right. the system has to make sure that the best person wins, but you have to make sure that you have a diverse slate of candidates to choose from. Right. I think part of the issue is that we have the sameness um, in the slate of people that we're looking at, but don't really make sure that we have that diverse slate of candidates to look for. 
Um, you you mean, did you feel that way in Rwanda? No, you see, that's, I want to know if it's, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it matters how yeah. you got in. If you got in because there's a 30% quota or whatever, yeah. I think what matters is when you're on the job, are you performing? Yeah. And the quota is not going to let you off. Mm. I, I think the performance is going to speak for itself. So I, I wouldn't worry so much yeah. about how you came in. I mean, what, what I'd worry about is when you get the job, are you competing? Are you competitive? Are you actually yep. are you performing? And that's what we emphasize. But they, right, and then mm. this is the thing: is that you can do what you're doing if you have real data to yeah. tell the story. Yeah. And often the we data is not available. Yeah. And therefore, if you don't have these quarters, it's aspirational, and yeah. people get away with a lot right. of things. Right. And, and I think there's a <laughs> distinction between why the United States. I think different philosophies. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, why the United States is so far behind in terms of its educational attainment and versus its labor market participation, versus its leadership roles, whether it's in Congress or in you know, starting businesses, is because we've had goals, not targets. Mm -hmm. and, it ha and whereas other nations have far surpassed the United States you know, uh, in terms of gender equality because they have targets, not goals. Mm -hmm. But should we, but okay, some of the, an aspect that Randall is kind of, uh, I think kind of touching on, inferring, is, is what you might call the backlash issue. Should, should, should we worry about that, or do we just push right. that I mean, aside? I tell my young women at Girls Who Code, like, who cares what people think of you? You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Because the reality is, is that you have to be twice as good to get there in the but first place. But it can place. have a political impact, and I then mean, that can have an impact on the... Right. right? And, and, and I think at the end of the day, like, I think we, and I think we know that we are qualified enough, prepared enough, mm -hmm. ready enough. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to stop trying to have to prove that to anyone. And, yeah. and here's the thing. There are a lot of white men who... I've gotten there because of privilege and not performance. Mm -hmm. And they're certainly not asking all my only here because of that. Mm -hmm. They don't care. Yeah. So why do we? And so I just think this 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 point has to shift because for so long, you know, we've operated in a meritocracy, this perception that we live in a meritocracy when we don't. And that hasn't gotten us any closer to equality. We're like baby stepping it. So I say blow it up. Try something new. <laughs> You're nodding. We're on back. I think, we're, I, I, I think the way that we would blow it up are just in two different ways. Yeah. I think that's that's the answer. And well, I don't my think question there is, though is, a, and we, I, I, I'm yeah. almost asking you the same question again, yeah. and perhaps unfairly, right. but yeah, like, yeah. You know, is the backlash issue an issue that we should be worried about, or should we just say, okay, this is the backlash issue? I think you, you understand what. Yes, you, I know exactly what? what you're saying. I think it is um, for me as an inclusion leader. I think it's an opportunity for us to really hone in on what's important and what's valuable. Um, do I care what it's called? My work? Does it need to be DEI? I, I could care less as, as long as you do the work. Um, what I care about is have we created an equal playing field for everyone? And so how do we make sure that we're doing that? If it's the way that we are capturing or our narrative of the work, if it is so focused on the punchline, or we're talking about black people, we're talking about women, we're talking about these groups, but leaving out the overarching, we want to create an environment where everyone can thrive and be, bring their best selves to, the, to work or wherever they are. I think we're missing that piece, and I think that's what's led us to the place that we are now. Thierry, does, that, is a, does a backlash issue potentially have economic implications, investment implications, reputational risk, all those kind of things? I think the backlash will go away. To be honest with you, it's not that important. Right. I, <laughs> it's better to sort of try and half fail with the backlash rather than not doing anything. Right. Uh, and and I don't think the backlash will have such significant uh, consequences. Uh, but but I think you know, I live in a country where you can't put quarters. 
uh, okay, the first time they did it was for women uh, on boards. Um, but, but I also live in a country where you can identify people by race, so you yeah. can't put quotas, you can't measure. So it's all aspirational, and that's one of the reasons it doesn't work. But I'm not saying quota will work, and I'm not even sure I'm for quotas, but I, I don't think there is anything against it of backlash that should prevent us from trying it. Yeah, uh, Claire, there must have been resistance in Rwanda. So how, how was that dealt with? Actually, um, no? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I like and the conclusion of this talk yeah. is everybody moved to Rwanda. <laughs> I think it's more like, can this work? Because culturally, for many years, women want us included. So it was more like, are we confident enough that this will work more than a resistance? Mm -hmm. And so working on that confidence and showing that, that it's important. And I think something else that is really important is to continuously demonstrate the benefits of inclusion. Mm -hmm. Keep selling. Uh, keep selling, yeah. yeah. I mean, look at Rwanda. You know, 61% parliament is women. More than 50% cabinet is women. Like, most of the ministries and agencies are led by women. But this is a country that today is ranked the second easiest place to do business in Africa, the sixth safest in the world in terms of security. This is a country that is growing at 7 to 8% for the last 15 years, one of the fastest growing countries in Africa. If all the things are being attended and more than 50% or 61% are women, surely there are benefits to including, including yes. women. So yeah. the next president will be a woman. <laughs> My president has said he, he hopes it will be a woman. <laughs> well, excuse me, I, I have no idea how to summarize uh, our conversation. Um, you want to give me a few words each just to, to, to help me out a little bit? I think the keep selling, I think, is a good word. Keep good selling and keep doing it and keep being engaged because uh -huh. there's no other solutions. Okay. Mm -hmm. Be intentional. Be deliberate. You have to make it happen. Uh -huh. Um, if, you, if you want to be an inclusive leader, um, always think about, I don't know everything, so I need as many perspectives around as possible, um, and create an environment where all your employees feel that they can reach their greatest potential. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'll just close, uh, be bold, take risks, yes. try something different, and focus on structural change. Yeah. Terrific. Thanks so much, guys. I, mean, I think, I guess, another summary would be, uh, get into the detail. Uh, you, you recognize exactly, bring all of these lessons and also recognize what you are specifically dealing with in your organization, in your yeah. part of the world, and, and, and get into the detail and, and don't give up, mm -hmm. right? Guys, thank you so much. It's been a, a terrific conversation and, and thanks everybody uh, for watching.